couldn't reach him. And he's like, oh, guys, looks like we all made it. You know, he's so stupid. So now so we're learning that uh, Diesel, you know, Diesel, our friend Ray Walston, Diesel is going to yeah. meet up with the guys later in Los Angeles because he's going to take Navin for a little tour to a guy named Suicide's Poker Game. And which uh, they're going to put him on Easy Street. So he gives him all the money. He just wants enough money to stake Naven. Now, deer don't come up to you. And Naven is feeding deer. Naven has this thing with animals. They just love him. Huh. Well, yeah, they probably saw the movie. And they said, they were hysterical. <laughs> uh, here, you could, feed, you could feed us, Mr. Martin. We loved you in the first movie. <laughs> they think it's Steve Martin. <laughs> now, that was like Steve Martin and Carl Reiner made a string of fantastically great comedies. And then they uh, they went their ways. Yeah, yeah. It was a good run. Yeah, it was a good run. And it produced a sequel. Now, that guy's I'm, face, I'm, I first recognized, that's suicide. But I recognized him because he was in... Um, that movie with um, oh gosh, we saw him last time. Who's who's you, the guy from Police Academy who we saw in Burglar? Oh right, uh, G W Bailey. G W Bailey, right? Do you remember the Frisco Kid? Yeah, yeah uh, with Gene Wilder. Right, this guy was one of the bad guys. The that killed. Remember, they stole his Torah, and no, not the Torah. They like robbed him, and then when he got to San Francisco, he had a um, he had a shootout with them in the street. Remember? Barely. I've seen that movie a couple times too. He was. That's why I recognized his face. Now he was in Rumblefish, uh, which was okay. He was in lots of TV. He was any which way you can. Um, so you might recognize his face there. Yeah, I guess I would. I just don't recognize any of the roles. Like, I, maybe he acts so well that I just don't re remember him. And this guy is tripping me out because he looks like my buddy Charles Ezell. So, getting a little chat flashback watching this movie. This this guy? This is Suicide uh, himself. He was in the Frisco Kid. He was the guy. Yeah, no, his buddy there with the, the mouth breather with the beard. Oh, I think okay. he's, he's yeah, after yeah. some reason. He's not in the table anymore. They they swapped out. Continuity. Oh, there's Bernadette Peters. <laughs> no, she she was an actress, and she's she was in stuff. It just wasn't appealing to me. I didn't even write it down. Gotcha. Yeah, What's, he looks like he looks a little like Mickey Burke. What's going on here is. You know, Diesel, you're back. And he goes, well, sit down. He goes, no, no, I learned my lesson with you, suicide. I'm staking Navin. <laughs> so it's weird how he keeps bumping into card games in this movie. Right. He goes, well, no, he, he got brought there by Ray, you know, by Diesel, yeah. uh, specifically to beat them. So here we see, like, the passing of time, and, of course, Naven is winning. I'll put on a little audio here, because he laughs. 
What do you think they're playing? They're not playing Hold'em, right? They're if this playing. movie was made... Uh, yeah, but poker back in the day was like five-card draw, right? The Cincinnati kid, they were playing five-card five stud, which which, I, which is one of the reasons why I love that movie. But they're playing they're playing like just regular old poker, but everyone now plays Hold'em. Right. Well, Texas Hold'em got popular recently. You're right. No. Poker is always a game in which you have your best five cards, and right. there's you. You could be dealt dealt seven. It could be five. You could draw once, twice, no draw. You know, it's always a combination yeah. of that. Uh, Texas Hold'em is was, really was, different from the betting. Right. Well, Texas Hold'em. I mean, it's. I guess it was easier to play online, but it became a standard, and with the tournaments and a lot of money, that's right. kind of the, the standard. And uh, but you know, people will play kitchen games where it's dealer's choice, and the dealer will say, "We'll play Hold'em, or we'll play five card draw, mm-hmm. or we'll play like the variations Omaha, whatever, Utah, you know, shit like that." Now this guy looks like Stacy Keach. So it's just funny that like it used to be for shorthand for poker it was always five card draw, you know, and like Cincinnati Kid was five card stud, which is a really hardcore game. But now well, it's always like you just get your five rounders. cards. That's it. Let's bet. Yeah, but that one card, of, that one face down card is going to change everything. Yeah, you bet five times, you know. Oh, it, maybe I'm of, wrong. More... Uh, I thought stud was. Uh... I mean, you bet, but you don't. Okay, so you get to reveal one card at a time. Is that how that works? For five-card stud, yeah. So you get one down and one up, and then you bet. And then there's three more rounds of betting as the other three cards are faced up. Uh, and, you know, you can look at people's cards and go, yeah, unless he gets another king, he's fucked. You know, right. or this guy has an inside straight, which is even more fuckable. But, you know, in seven-card stud, two down and one up. So you have a – and you can pick the five out of seven. It's a little more, you know, lenient. Oh, not even in his face. Yeah. Man, that's suicide. That is suicide. Yeah, you're right. You've seen this before. That is suicide. That's suicide. Does not get cake in that biker? That's suicide. So okay, quick. Ray knock over the bike. True colors, and he's basically abandoning Naven. But Naven's following him. Yeah. Now, the... Um, the poker mall there. She likes Naven, yeah. you know. Don't hurt him. Yeah. So she's going to come to his you... rescue. Maybe she's an animal in real in a past life. And that's why she has such you know? a kinship with. Uh... Yeah. Now, while I was watching what? this film the first time, I really thought yeah. that she was going to become his girlfriend. Because that's the way the script was leaning, but that's not what happened at all. Because this is TV, right. and it's sort of like how you describe the dream. It starts at the beginning, and it goes to the end. Now, it does wrap itself up. It does have a respectable act three. But all this stuff leading up to it is haphazard and random. 
Right. Well, I mean, it's it's a. Do you think they made this movie in hopes to make this a TV show? Absolutely. And like now the internet show. doesn't know a thing about this movie. It just says, "What are you talking about, the jerk?" Too. I can tell you some stuff about it, but it never even speaks about that. I tried to find interviews. I looked up Steve Martin as executive producer. It, the internet right. doesn't want to tell you anything. It says that it was on channel. It was tonight at eight on channel four. Um, I believe well, that I... we're seeking of television studios and this uh, television series. And this was like a telemovie to act as the pilot for a series, The Jerk. Well, that makes sense. But what would he do every week? Like drop the dishes every week? I this guess. Tuesday, David drops the dishes again. David! That's right. Nathan. So this pretty much just died, and it did end up on a DVD release of The Jerk. that You get, you buy The Jerk and The Jerk 2. You know, a what a bargain. Yeah, but that's that's <laughs> all that really happened with this film. Well, it was a double-sided DVD where both sides had a movie on it. <laughs> and for the jerk, too, it says, put coffee on here. Yeah. Use this double as coaster. Double as yeah. coaster. <laughs> DVDs are so much better as coasters because, you know, VHS takes up most of your coffee table. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Although, he's going to get pushed off of, oh, he's dead. He is dead, but no, this is another thing that you either like or don't like. I don't know. In a movie world, right? He just coincidentally falls right where Ray is. And Ray's right. like, I told you I'd yeah. to Los Angeles, didn't I? I think the most notorious one was Hudson Hawk, mm -hmm. where he falls off a building, goes through an awning, hits the sidewalk, goes through the sidewalk, and lands on a couch inside an apartment building <laughs> yeah. where the villains are. Where the villains are. Yeah. Yeah, that's our that's the movie rule we always talk about. You only have six characters in your universe. So if you're going to fall off a, a, a building, uh, fall off a bridge, you're going to land in a, a haste truck with uh, Ray Winstone. Right, with. exactly. Who's playing at the Las Vegas? Let's see who's there. I would pause it and check it out. So Ooh, here Ray we Sanford have our, um, uh, you know, it, it, he, it's the, yeah, the typical taking him to Vegas and he's sort of like a savant. You know, I'm surprised that you don't see Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman here. So Ray is going right, to make his Hoffman. fortune with uh, Naven's poker playing abilities. That was my favorite part of The Hangover. One of my favorite parts of that, the first movie is that they take Zach Galifianakis to the casino knowing that he's going to rain man and, and win the money. Right. It was just like, yeah, but he's going to rain man it, and he does. You know, it was, it was pretty funny. It was like the fastest joke I've ever seen. They just went right. They, they, their multiple of three was more multiple of one and a half. They I'll went put three, on four. some audio because he says some. Watch, he's going to annoy this patron. Watch this. Right. So now he gets his own coin. You know what's going to happen, right? Yes. 
Oh, I bet that he's not going to win the jackpot. Right. You could take my offer and wait. <laughs> jackpot, jackpot, yeah, and jackpot. Like, Damn it, three jackpots in a row. So he thinks he's in trouble, right? And when he goes yeah. up to Ray, Ray goes, sounds like somebody broke the bank. And he's like, it's broken. Oh, things are rough all over. So he just leaves off. And I wonder how many. The dummy. I wonder how many shows that guy took from the Friday's set to, to make it through this movie. Yeah. Let's see. This was 84, probably shot in 83. I wish I could tell you because the internet won't tell me anything. Friday's was what, 80? Friday's, Friday's was like during that uh, terrible year of Saturday Night Live, yeah. 1980. Like once the season ended, they said, ah, everything's up for grabs. We'll just do our own. Yeah. And we'll shoot it in Los Angeles. And it lasted three seasons. It was shit the fuck out of me. It Oh, it wasn't one season. It was three seasons? Three fucking seasons. Now, they did... Yeah, if you have the opportunity... They've been invited to a private poker game. And another friend of the really? show will open the door. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. It better be Garrett Griff. It better be Bud the Chud, too. Oh, hello. It's it's Jimmy J.J. Walker from uh, Concord Airplane uh, Airport 79. Right. He goes, he, he thinks he's being recognized. Wait, is he playing himself? Yes, he is. And he goes, you know who you look like? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I know. And he goes, my brother Harold from Hendersonville. Well, how weird. Quick. Name another movie where Jimmy J.J. Walker plays himself, and you've seen it. I recommended it to you, and you hated me for, for saying I should watch it. Uh, Robert De Niro. The comedian. Remember? He's like, hey, Jimmy, how's it going? Well, terrible. It's going all right, Bob. Now, wait, i got to interrupt you because we're going to see a lot of stars right now. All right. Rita Mark Morana. Oh. Martin Mall, well, he's out. He looked at all his rings are gone, Jimmy. So, as I told you, I looked up Steve Martin as an executive producer, and his he had a situation yes. comedy called Domestic Life starring Martin Mull that premiered on Channel 2. And I wonder if that's why he was in this film, because Steve Martin produced it. What a stretch. I also think that if they shot – well, this wasn't – I'm sure the exteriors were shot in Las Vegas, but this looks like L.A., and the interiors must have been L.A. Mm -hmm. They must have just called up Martin. He walked down the street and did this. Now, he was also in O.C. and Stiggs, another reference to... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Look, I like how Chinatown has, like, the, the Chinatown font. The China Dragon. The racist Chinatown font. Oh, no, you know, it's, it, I guess that's what uh, you see all the time in Chinatown. What was that about? He just they, showed up and... He finally met up with his friend like he promised. And, um, you know, he's he told him, just give me enough money to stake the kid and we'll meet you in L.A. And that's what's happening. So gotcha. Ray is rich, 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 rich off the back of Naven. And Naven is so naive, he doesn't even understand that. He's got this rich uh, uh, car, 
and he he drops him off here and says, "I'll be at the Plaza Suite." You know, we we get surprised that it's like a rich house. You know, this is his pen pal. Oh yeah, he's fucking rich. Oh, like I hope oh, my diesel must be like, like thanking his lucky stars. It's the presidential suite at the Winchester Arms Hotel. So now he knows where Ray will be, and that's important for our plot. Okay, I'm glad we talked about it. Is this the end of Ray Winstone? Look, he, he knocked that guy's we cigar. We think it is. Now watch. I'll be back. Ray gives him money. And then his friend goes, he's, who's from the West Indies, he goes, I never seen you give nobody man, any money, man. And he goes, it's not, name is just, <laughs> just anybody. I'll play it. Uh, it isn't exactly touching, but. Yeah. So he genuinely likes Naven, but the thing is, yeah, he made him rich. Yeah. Oh, uh, poor Naven, not going to dumb stuff. Now look, fierce yeah. Doberman pinchers, fierce Doberman pinchers. But you said Naven is uh, friends to animals. Oh, they're like, oh, it's you, Naven. We're from, we like you. The deer in the forest told us about you. All right, look at that. <laughs> You're such a pretty girl. Yes, you are. So he's a jerk because he's good at cards and uh, dogs like him. Yeah, you okay. see, Steve Martin's Cards. jerk never had these special abilities. Yeah. Sure, he could fly <laughs> in my mind. You know, one of the movies, uh, and I think it's still on YouTube, I talked about it on my brother's podcast, Proudly Revenge, is Hardly Working. Remember Jerry Lewis is hardly working. Came out in yeah, 1979. I do. So the advertising, the advertising says he's the original jerk, and there's a scene okay. where uh, he's because and it was like you know he pretends he's a, uh, a Benihana chef with the with the teeth. Right. And uh, one of the things he does is he gets a job at the gas station, and. You remember the scene in the gas station and the jerk with the cans, right? Yes. With the can, with the, oh, yeah. So in the jerk, he just knocks over the cans. Well, he goes, and he hates jerk, these and can't. Be, oh, oh. He hates these cans. Classic, right? So in the Jerry Lewis version, Jerry keeps knocking over the the big pile of cans in the store mm -hmm. while the boss is just going. <sighs> yeah, frustrated. Yeah, so, you know, it's two different styles of comedy, but... Again, the jerk, the jerk does some amazing stuff. That movie, I don't know. I just I like that film so much. It's really terrific. So they think he's the help. He's like, sure, I'll help. And then, so now he's like a waiter at this fancy buffet. Look at this. So who? This is me when I bank with waiter. So yeah. So yeah. Let me come up here. So th this uh, guy, Snotty, goes, are you planning to share those? And Naven's like, of course, I couldn't eat all these myself. <laughs> now he sees <laughs> Marie, his pen pal. Oh, where? She's 
well, we'll see her step up in a minute. She's going to marry this count. Uh, he is French Canadian. This guy, he's totally French Canadian. He was really um, a, a a a soap opera star. All my children loving. Um, Great. His name is Count Marco in the film, and he's Jean Leclerc. There's Marie, the daughter. Wow. And that's her father, right? She's not marrying right. that guy. Oh, Nate. And he's got no he credits jerk. besides this film. You know what the real jerky thing to do is to start stripping on the fruit and laying your ass in the punch bowl on the, that's on the right. table. Yeah. I, when that happened, I dropped my monocle. <laughs> now uh, we have a dreamy, like, you made it! She's so happy. Got a little Vaseline on the camera. Right. Thank you, director, for hitting us over the head. Now, this director, he's okay. he did Cooley High in 75. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah, that's a great movie. Well, he so did he's Crush just got, Groove. He's, he's Crush Groove. I like Crush Groove, too. And here's so my favorite. Like this director, his name is Michael Schultz. He did Car Wash, 76. He did Cooley High, Car Wash, and Crush Groove, and yeah. he's now reduced to being a jerk, too. Right, reduced. Yep. He needs, like, a, 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 a Medal of Honor, man. Those, those movies are great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now the butler, and right? Then, Naven keeps on saying stupid things, and the butler thinks that he's on purpose making hilarious jokes. Oh. Oh, we get to see a naked Naven. In the shower. Well, he's wearing a kilt. Are they, they're called towels? Towels? Oh. It's not a Scottish thing. I don't know right. the towel. I was thinking of Sir Billy's towel, the kilt. <laughs> we are just mentioning all the films that we've watched before. Well, Sir Billy you know was our show. Was You're with me. us. We'll never broadcast that episode. It was just such a bad movie. Yeah. I don't think Steve Martin had anything to do with this movie other than he got an executive producer credit and probably some money for this. Agree, agree. And I scoured the internet. You know, you go on a Google search. I was like on page 14, page 15. Give me something, internet. Yeah, but the problem is this is not a unique title, right? You type in the jerk too and you get like, let me jerk you off too. Or, no. you know, like that jerk Joseph. No, I put in The Jerk 2, 1984, and I got references to this movie. But, I mean, IMDb and Wikipedia, when they laugh at your movie, you know nothing's going on. Right. You know, I think Shock Cinema might have talked about this film. I mean, I may have read about it, but I, I saw it when it came out. Uh, my brother and I watched it on TV in really? back in 84. Yeah, so this is, I mean, this is a nostalgic trip for me because I remember it was like a big deal. You know, TV movies of the week. Movie of the week on TV sometimes was a big deal. You know, you got to see Animal House. Mm -hmm. It was edited for content. Yeah. But it, you got to see, you know. So, you know, the opportunity to see the sequel to The Jerk on TV on a school night, you know. 
So Maria's like, would you like to, I talked to my parents and you could stay until the wedding. And he goes, well, only if you have enough room. And the, the butler's like, oh, oh, sir, you slay me. Enough room, he says. Right. Oh, oh. So we find out that Marie, not Marie Osmond, Marie has hardly knows this, this uh, count, Count Marco. They're getting married because the father thought it was a good idea because she'd become a countess. She'd move to Italy. She'd live in a castle. That's pretty good. So she is meeting him like at this thing tonight, you know, but she was very happy to meet her pen pal. And of course you can guess what's going to happen. So he, here we are. There's a running gag. It's like Navin like we'll make everything a sandwich that's he's making a club sandwich right now so right now they're they're kindling they're getting to know each other and it's working well and of course the count will be jealous of this yeah he's gonna he's gonna make her jealous to get her own pen his own pen pal aren't they kind of old for being pen pals yeah well it started in the sixth grade Gotcha. That's right. You mentioned that. I guess this movie is making. Look at that. That's a killer Dagwood he made. Now he that's knows the horse from Pen Pals, and the Count is trying to ride the horse, but the horse is coming straight over to Navin. Yeah, because animals love Navin. Right. <laughs> You're going to hurt his feelings. <laughs> now watch him introduce himself. Okay. <laughs> I'm naive. I'm naive. Yeah. Yeah. So he's Count of uh, Bosnia and, you know, Transylvania and all these places. And he's a man of title. So he's invited to st come to dinner. And then I think he says something very funny. He goes, oh, good. Thank God. He'll be at dinner tonight. <laughs> he says, try to stay out of the And they pretend like, oh, it's not funny what he said. It is so funny. It is great. Yeah, you never have an opportunity in life to say that, too. So he must have relished it. <laughs> try to stay out of the punchable. You know, Carl, I was at a party, and I, I was like a wallflower. It was kind of awkward, and I figured to break the ice, I would do the classic prank, uh -huh. turd in the punch bowl. And it was funny. It was it was funny until everyone died of cholera. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That can put a damper on the night. So now he's jealous. Yeah. Find out he's sleeping with the maid. You know, we're being set up to not like him. Oh, thank God. Because I was going to say, Navin's cutting into his action. Mm -hmm. Thank God. So he's the jerk, too. 
<laughs> also. As well. Also. <laughs> now, what's really happening here is like a first date. Right. And it's... Isn't he friends to animals? Why is he fishing? Yeah. Thank you for catching me. Now, here's a joke. Naven's got something. It's, it's, it's what, a boot? That would be perfect, but they were being original. Oh, this is 19... Oh, <laughs> scuba diver. Chuck Chasso. Where did uh, they get Chuck a fishing pole? Where did they yeah. get a two-person bike? It's called a tandem. They did it in tandem. Yeah. Now, look what happens. Keep falling on my head. Wee. And unlike Mr. Accident, she doesn't mind at all. She thinks Naven's great. Oh, my God. We didn't, you know, we had just recently aired that episode when we watched Mr. Accident. Yep. Last I really liked that movie. I did, too. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. He could have been a lot cruder, and he wasn't. Like, he, he definitely has a grace to him that I like, you know, like, he... And that there was no like was too bad. He went away. Yeah. Bring back Yahoo Serious. Right. And we saw him. Oh, you didn't see him. I found him on the internet. He's like sixty-three and he looks old, man. Oh. Yeah. God, you know, I always feel like when you watch an old silent movie, that's usually them joking around in the park and they probably just shot it like outside the studio in the park. And then when I see movies like this, I go, Jesus Christ, you know? Like, does it really matter where they are? They just do their antics, you know? Right. The scene is in the location. The scene is them doing a stunt, you know? Right, and he did his own like our, stunt there. He rolled out of that tree. I know. Well, thank God he was wearing suspenders or his stick might have fallen out of his pants. Yeah, I, if, if he has one. So now she has to go for the fitting of her wedding dress. And they're like, oh, I'll see you later. Oh, darn. And she's like, come darn. with us, Naven. And he goes, no, I really need to write home to my parents, you know, my family. They got to write home. Yeah. And it's more of the uh, he thinks he's making jokes when he's really just being dumb. Now, Mike. Now, it's funny. The bubble. Yes. Finish your thought because I got something Carl. to show you. The butler looks like the butler from Training Places, 1983. Go ahead, Carl. Oh, yeah. That guy we saw yeah. in uh, uh, School for Sex. Um, okay. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. here is the weirdest thing ever, okay? All of a sudden, out of the blue, out of nowhere, I've never seen this in a movie ever, it becomes a musical. What about Magnolia when they sing one? Maybe you're right. I never saw it before. What about Meet Me in St. Louis? I met See, you should never read out loud in front of a homeless person. Right. They will just lean on your shoulder. So he's <laughs> saying, like, every time I'm around her, I get butterflies. I don't understand what's going on. There you go. All the blood rushing. You know, getting gorged. Oh, so she's trying to sing. Yeah, and look, 
The cop is dancing. Hot cop. It's turned into Allentown, the music video by Billy Joel. Oh, there's the aerobics mom. Right. Look, it's a musical now. They ran out of shit to do. You know what I mean? I don't know, man. Uh, this film is long. Uh, you know, we're at uh, the 52nd minute of an hour and a half. I, I don't think they ran out of stuff. Well, I mean, they have to fill out the minutes. Did you, have you seen Birds of Prey yet? I guess no. It's available on one, two, three, movie free, dot free. Mike, we I'm don't like it. Ch channel. Birds we of that. Prey. We recommend I see that. Nah, yeah, there's no rush to see it. It's yeah, it's I'm good and it's bad. It. It's, right. it's it's empty nihilism selling a product. You know what I mean? Like if you go to Hot Topics and they're like, there's an aisle of like fuck you t-shirts for sale. Yeah. That's basically what it is. Okay. It's this. Thing. It's fan service for people who love watching Warner Brother cartoons and reading Warner Brother uh, DC comics. And it's funny, but at one point, uh, uh, Harlequin is getting the shit kicked out of her, and she detaches herself, and she starts fantasizing she's Marilyn Monroe in Gentleman's Preferred Blonde. Uh-huh. And there's, like, no reason. Just, so there's, like, she fantasizes a musical number. Like, oh, you know, yeah, and they uh, were out of stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. Wow, this music is going on. Now, I know that she's got to be some old Broadway person, but I... All of them are. Yeah. He really did that stumble. Yeah. He rolled down a hill and went into the car. Right. The this is clearly him. It's not a stunt person. Yeah. Commercial. The camera was on the... We'll be back. We're ABC Movie of the Week returns with the it's jerk, NBC. too. Yep. NBC, Universal Television Productions. The production company was called 40 Share Productions. You know what they were shooting for. Yeah, 40 Share. Yeah. Did they get it? Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't think yeah. so. So now he's well, impressing was... them with card tricks. Oh, yeah, as one does. NBC was king of comedy back in the 80s, right? You had your Punky, you had your Punky Brewster, you had Brewster, your uh, right. Cheers, your, your Cosby, your Thursday Night Lineup, your Cheers, your Hill Street Blues, hysterical shows. Must see. Knight Rider. You said all these no, that was the 90s. including Hill Street Blues. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's on uh, TV as well. Nothing like uh, kicking back and watching a full season of the Hill Street Blues. Right. You. you couldn't you couldn't uh, binge watch back then, and that's a good thing. Oh, those shows are long. An hour of Hill Street Blues, like there's 15 different things that happen. You know, it takes okay. forever. Ca the count will be humiliated here. He's making an egg disappear. Yeah. And and he has to say something embarrassing. He goes, Damn. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. The egg's in his pocket. Embarrassing. 
Oh, no. That's my phony military uniform. You're right. Props gave it to me before I got on stage. Jumping a chimney up at a chimney. You, should, you would get arrested for defacing a military uniform like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, in Bosnia. Now that guy is from. Are... That guy is uh, from. Uh, uh, Burt Reynolds in um, uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, nice. He must have liked the fact that he was just sitting down and not in a truck. Yeah, it was a bit of a stretch for him. His name is Dudley. It's Pat McCormick. He was in Smokey and the Bandit. He was in Under the Rainbow. He was in History of the World Part One. He was in a million TV shows. He's that. He's tall and he's comedic and he does a good job. Right. Yeah, no, he pulls it well. Can you please pass the jelly? Right. <laughs> and they're amazing. You know, he goes, my family, there were six of us, but uh, there's only five now. And the mother's like, I'm sorry. And he goes, what are you sorry for? That you lost someone. He goes, I'm oh, not I'm lost. Not. I'm just not with them now. And the butler cracks up. Oh, my God. That joke needs crib notes. I could, I didn't figure out, you know, I think I'd explain that one. Bit of a stretch. So he's got he's got a picture of his family. So he's innocently okay, here we go. sit around. Now Maria's like, oh, look the- how grown how big Harold's gotten. So every person who sees uh, it is like shocked. Oh, including the the Prince of Monaco. Yeah. I always knew that was a well, racist. Watch theory. this reaction. Watch this reaction. <laughs> now watch what the oh, dad will yeah. do when he sees it. <laughs> Josh right. Ew, what is that, Pate? So he is kicked out. But we don't right. ever get explained why. They're probably just sick of his shit. No, it was racism. And he's like, what about Marie? And the butler's like, I'll look after her for you, sir. You know, and he's defeated and walks off and Marco's happy. That guy's gone. Yeah, thank God that pen pal's gone. Now I can marry my girl. Right. Yeah. But look at Marie. She's crying and see what the director does with the rain. Right. So you can see it from the window. So it looks like you can see the tears. Uh, hey, look, it is Jeannie. Check it out. Check out Jeannie. Hey, look, it is Jeannie dancing to a bunch of hobos. That's so they're doing the hobo style where they got an open cookout in the, in the suite. That's right. He's at the presidential suite, just like he said. Yeah, and this guy's not having it. Having hobo meal, right? Hot. Yeah, that sounds. Sweet. They got the start now. Right in the hotel room. Yeah, they got an open flame. Well, it's sterno, man. It has flavor to the hot dogs. You can really taste it. Hey, look, 
I am Genie. Check it out. I am Genie. Mage. And I'm dancing. Now that I struck out. Even, but Naven's all bummed out. Yeah. Wow, he got caught in the rain. That guy has a chest, man. You can see his pecs popping out of that wet shirt of his. Yeah. The jerk is built, is ripped. I love that guy, man. It's, he's not just my favorite Martian, you know? He was a good comedian. Oh, no, he's much more than that. That movie we saw him in, it was going to be, uh, what's his name, who plays against uh, Walter Matthau all the time. Jack Lemmon was going to be the star. Oh, of Kissing like Stupid. Three stars they went through before they finally, uh, you know, arrived at Ray, and he did a good job. He did a great job. He, he was a little too believable. That's the problem about that movie. It's a little too skeevy. Yeah. Because he, he, he offers his wife to sleep with uh, Dino. Tony. Right? No, what was it Tony? Uh, Dean Martin. Dean Martin. That's who it was. Yeah. Yeah. He played a, he played a lounge singer named Dino. And Dino was driving from Las Vegas to L.A. And he passes Ray Winstone's town. Ray is a songwriter. So he says, listen, if you perform my song, I'll let you sleep with a prostitute. And he's like, honey, pretend you're a prostitute and sleep with Dino. Trust you know, me. The other, no, I'll let you sleep with my wife. And so he goes to a prostitute and says, pretend you're my wife. Ah, well, my movie version's better. It yeah, is. right. So the prostitute, she's Kim Novak. Wait, is Kim Novak the wife or the prostitute? I forget. Kim Novak was the wife who's re the real-life wife of... Um, Jack Lemmon, and I really like the prostitute lady because her her Jersey accent, as you remember. Yeah, that's right. Listen, I saw that movie. They showed it at the Roxy in the nineties. It was very rare to back then. It wasn't on YouTube. You had to actually see it at a revival house. Right. And I was with a friend of mine, and Kim Novak walks by, and my friend goes, "Man, you could bounce a quarter off that ass." <laughs> So that's all. <laughs> right? Was she? She could hurt here. Well, no. She was talking about. Kim, he was talking about Kim Novak on the screen. Oh, okay. like the, from the nineteen. I was like, yeah. Oh shit. So they're like, let's oh, Naven basically by letting him sleep with the belly dancer, and so the belly dancer makes their moves, and he goes, I can't sleep with you. I love Marie. And so the belly dancer says, well, if you love Marie, you got to climb the tallest mountain. you got to swim the deepest ocean. Go get her. So that's what he's doing. He's he's off to get his girl, and uh, Ray will assist him. So he's not going to make a billion dollars with a little thing you put on your glasses that makes everyone go cross-eyed? The win here is, marrying, is falling in love with Marie, is, is getting Marie to not get married. He's a prince, dude. Give it up. It really isn't the jerk. I mean, it's it's a boy who leaves his home to seek his fortune. That's as much of the jerk as as we get. The first one. Yeah, the first jerk started that way, but did not. I mean, he had no special abilities. His dog was named Shithead. You know, he didn't 
he wasn't a great card player, uh, you know. Well, you know what's funny is like, uh, yeah, we were talking about when they show theatrically released movies on network television back in the day. They would say that it's been edited for content, right? And they, when they showed the jerk on on network TV, which I believe was the first time I saw it, I do remember the shit and Shinola bit wasn't there, oh. and that the guy goes, "Don't call that dog hero, call him stupid." Right. Oh, okay. I remember seeing the jerk so on TV. Called... I remember that. Yeah, so the dog was called stupid, and for the longest time, I thought that was it. So. It's one of those things when you see it kind of for television, if you still do, uh, and then when you see the actual movie, you're like, whoa, they said shithead. Yeah. So Do the Right Thing was on TV. Instead of Motherfucker, they kept saying Mickey Ficky. That doesn't make any sense. You know, the same impact is they could just, like, uh, mute the word, right? They don't, you know. Right. Much smarter. And that way you know what they're meant to say, and it's just not aired. But it's that whole, like, airplane version. Remember that? Like, movies had to have an airplane version so they could show the movie on the airplane. Oh, Because yes. back then, you didn't have a screen in front of you. You had one screen that they, you know, they put down, descend, and right. you pay money for a headphone, and you could watch The Jerk. And to make sure that everyone in the airplane doesn't get offended, they had to edit out all the the dirt and raunchiness. Oh, wow, it really looks like she's doing exercise. Right, and it's because the that dad's is- at the door. Uh, I got to go. What other Steve Martin movies would make good TV movies? Uh, Okay, so TV sucks, so I got to say like that, what is it, House of Twelve? You know, when he's got like 12 kids. (laughs) You know, we've featured that on the film, uh, on the show, because Cheaper by the Dozen, which was a shitty movie from the 60s and a book from the 60s, and his version, oh, I think even before that, but that came out on Christmas Day. (laughs) and Cheaper by the Dozen 2 came out on Christmas Day the following year oh interesting a double loser interesting Uh, we can't wait to rush out um, Goldie Hawn um, and it was all full of lies but uh, no that wouldn't have been a good TV show I don't know this wouldn't have been a good TV show either I'm glad it didn't get made yeah, me too. But he did Father of the Bride. Like, he, he was in a lot of remakes of movies that were popular back in the day, and they were pieces of shit. Yeah, and, and I then he did the Pink say Panther, that, um, that um, the Pink Panther was a horrible choice for him. Um, the thing yeah. is that we know, we know Steve Martin too well to have suspended disbelief and believe that he was – they really needed an unknown for that – let me just say that um, sometimes things aren't broken, so you shouldn't fix them. I I don't think they should have ever made a remake of uh, Pink Panther. I think that, you know, Peter Sellers nailed it. It wasn't the movie. Right. It was Peter Sellers. So, you know, I'm the biggest well, the history- fan, but that movie was not for him. So the Pink Panther was originally like a David Niven film, and they put in Peter Sellers as his comic relief, and it, it blew up. 
So they said, we're going to make a sequel. Scholar said, fuck you, no. So Alan Arkin played Professor Inspector Clouseau yeah. in the movie Inspector Clouseau. Suggest- and then A Shot in the Dark was, you know, especially the second Pierce Sellers movie. But, you know, it was just a different movie, and they threw in Clouseau as a star. Right. And it clicked. And then they started doing, like, Strikes Back and Revenge. But when he passed away, I mentioned this on the movie, they did two follow-up uh, uh, Pink Panther movies where they just used Possum as, you know, they, they had outtakes and they they uh, yeah. repurposed it into two movies. Yeah. And they had an unknown, Ted Ted Wass from the TV show Soap, played, like, uh, a different Bumley inspector. Right. And it wasn't that great, you know. Oh, it was hard. But then, was the Blake Edwards' last movie was Son of the Pink Panther, where they kept it in canon, saying that he that Clouseau had an illegitimate ch- uh, son, who is now a uh, Italian uh, bumbling Italian inspector, and he's Roberto Bellini, and that's how they uh, continued the series. Like he still kept it grounded, and at the end of Son, it's revealed that Clouseau had a daughter who's also uh, clumsy, and that's how the film ends. Yeah, and then with with Steve Martin, they said, "Fuck it, let's just reboot it." There's no, we don't need to follow any trails, you know. No, we we'll just do. We it. don't have to do it again. And you see a lot of movies like that. I mean, sequels in the '80s were like, "Oh, in Halloween Five, Michael Pleasance meets this person, and Freddie, you know, Nightmare for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Five, this with their Dream Warriors this time." And now movies are like, fuck it. You know the premise? Here it is again. Yeah. Again, you know. <laughs> just reboot. Just I don't do have it. to worry about it. Yeah. I guess so they did that on here. Now, you said Halloween 5, right? Uh, the star we're seeing yeah. right here, Stacey Nelkin, who is Marie Van Buren. She was in Halloween 3, yeah. Season of the Witch. Oh, that's a weird one. That's the one where it was like a, just a standalone horror story. Uh-huh. Check this out. She yeah, was scheduled to be in Blade Runner. She was cast as Mary, who is one of the sixth Nexus Six replicants from Offworld and comes to Earth. But the budget yeah. constraints cut all of those guys from the film. And we just started, we ended up seeing Daryl Hannah and the other two guys. Um, Rucker Howard and Patty right. and uh, some other shit. Yeah. So, but. The only thing good about her, she was in Up the Academy. Which I saw in the theater with Boris Koba and his mom. Mad Magazine's trying to be National Lampoon. Yeah. That is directed by Robert Downey Sr. Right. It's exactly not on YouTube. Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we have a friend, Boris Koba, and if he's listening, hi, Boris. It's been hi, a while. Boris. I'm sorry I, brought, sorry I brought up your full name on this show. But his mom, like, uh, took us to see this. We were 12 years old, huge Mad Magazine fans. And that movie was bad. Yep. And there was one scene. There was a military school. So the military sergeant, what have you, was going, they were going to have a dance. He can't wait to get laid. And he's there, he's getting dressed. And they have a bulldog there, too. And the guy getting ready, he takes out a condom and he puts it in his wallet. And he looks at the dog and the dog looks at him. And he gives the dog a condom uh, wrap, wrap condom, and the dog starts chewing it. Right. Like, and I remember Boris's mom's just went, oh. <laughs> what have you I know? done as a parent? Yeah, <laughs> I still remember that sigh. Like, oh, 
So, yeah, he, we all felt it. The Colba's family fortune came from that cheese. A Colba cheese? Years and years. It was great-great-grandpappy Colba made the cheese. <laughs> okay, so hey, Stephen has been kidnapped, right? He is missing. And so now he's enlisted, Ray has enlisted all the hobos to go and find him. But Ugly Joe, who says, what's in it for me? And he goes, you're not a hobo, you're a bum. He's giving him an inspirational talk right now. It's really bad. Up the music. My old man just happened to lose a horse quickly. Oh, come on, Carl. This is torturous. I know. It's so bad. I mean, not even Stephen <laughs> is here to, like, at least be stupid for us. So we're basically having well, a whole setup that they're going to have to go find Naven and get him to the wedding in time uh, to stop Marie from getting married. Now, never mind sure, that you could just money. not get married. Right. I didn't realize this meeting was being held at the donation army. Yeah, that's right. It's right. Um, so this Marie, she was Stacy Nelkin. She was in Chips, A-Team, Eight is Enough, uh, Hunter. She had a role in Bullets Over Broadway, the Woody Allen film. Um, yeah. But she is best known for something I don't even know. Bonnie Sue Chisholm in four episodes of the CBS Western miniseries, The Chisholms. Oh, yeah. I was a big fan. I used to chisholm all over myself. Oh, you pervert. <laughs> <laughs> is that chisholm? I hope that's not chisholm. That's what I would say. My parents, when I, they turn on and see me watching TV. Yeah, they got a black light. Is that chisholm? <laughs> that chisholm on the TV? Yeah, it's a miniseries. Oh, that reminds me of one of my stand-up jokes I purposely did not do in San Francisco. Because you guys are okay. so insensitive. Okay. You know, you've heard of this, uh, like, gender fluid thing. I mean, like, what's the confusion, right? You show me the fluid, I'll tell you the gender. <laughs> the, all, the, all, uh, I, I who did that? Oh, yeah. Nathan's the open mic at Native's bar would just go fucking ape shit. There was a bunch of jokes yeah, I did the... not tell in San Francisco on purpose because they were just too edgy for you guys. For example, that one, that one, gender fluid joke. There was others. Uh, um, gosh, it's you not. Still, gonna... I'll tell you the San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you the jokes that you did do in San Francisco. Oh, I love Asbury. But man, do I hate it. No. Wait. I, I like love San Francisco. No, wait. Yeah, but. Oh, I hate Ashbury. I don't think I did that joke yeah. this time around, right? It was March, just before the COVID stuff. <clears throat> yeah, it was like the week, the first week of March. It was, yeah. it scared the shit out of me the whole week. Yeah, yeah. Because. I got you, you hosted an open mic in, in San Francisco, and you were like high fiving, shaking hands, hugging, yeah. you know. <laughs> it was early. We didn't know. 
We didn't know. We knew. But it, it was right before the shit went down. You came and you left, and then the city went officially into lockdown. Yeah. It's a good thing I left when I did, Mike, because I would have been out there, you know, and I would have yeah. been, you know, staying at a hotel, a divey junkie hotel. I don't know. I'm just glad I got home and I was quarantined here in the mansion. Yeah, in the state that has the second worst uh, COVID cases in the city in the country. Well, at least back then, at least two town months. had fifty-one cases. Okay, so, and we had no deaths. Okay, my friend uh, Jeff lives in Garfield, and they had like three hundred and so. I mean, they he personally knows people. I know them too who died from it. Um, oh. Jersey is. A hotbed, but where I live, we're in a forest, a little rural here. Um, yeah. But the thing is, if I was out in San Francisco, I'm not knocking San Francisco. I'm talking about my life situation. I would have been at that rinky-dink hotel. It was a motel, you know, and that was on, yeah. and I would have had to stay inside that little box. You know what I mean? It. it I'm just glad mm-hmm. I got home. When you flew back, what was it like at the airplane? Did they were they kind of causing it? Like was it like panic mode or was no, it, was not it like, at all, but, Mike? Like when we were out there, you were telling people they should shut down. Uh, it it what it hadn't yeah. hit yet. It wasn't. I mean, in your mind, Mike Spiegelman, it was a pandemic. Yeah. Carl, you just touched your face. Yeah. But the rest of the world was not where you were at <laughs> yet. We had about a week to go. Uh, when I flew on the airplane, there were no masks, no precautions. Listen, let our audience know that you uh, touched your fingers to your mouth, right? <laughs> Cleaned out the little face, and then touched my phone. <laughs> yeah. And I freaked out. I was like, God damn it. Yeah. Understandable. I, I covered. I, yeah. Okay, we're missing like this now, movie. You, you, we're missing this movie. Okay, so. I know. He has been kidnapped, as you can see, and he's just learned the bad news that um, uh, the Count has run out of money, and he's marrying Marie Van Buren for her money, okay? So now he's calling Marie with the pencil. <laughs> Ray is outside pretending that there's they're an ice cream truck. Oh, that's, that's Ray in the clown outfit? Oh, wow. This is definitely a landline. So now Marie's dilemma is if I stop the wedding, they might do something like kill Naven. So she's going to get through with it. Wham, wham, wham. Boy, talk about buyer's regret. Three years of the marriage, you'd be like, why? I. Whatever happened to Maven? Yeah, right. Oh, boy. Sorry, I'm sorry, Carl. How many times have you seen this movie? Because you know what I'm going to say. This is my fifth time. I can't sit through this movie. It's yeah. killing me. It's killing, it's killing me. me. Now we're revealing to, um, you know, we're revealing that it's Ray, and they're getting in a net. He goes, well, what ice cream do you have? And we got two dopes in a net. 
two dopes in and out. What's that? <laughs> it throws it off. <laughs> two dopes in the net. Hey, quick climbing around. Boy, he must miss Smokey and the Bandit, right? Being in that net. <laughs> so, Smokey and the Bandit, you know, remember when there was like Big Enos and Little Enos and it was like. Uh, right, he's Big uh, Enos. He is Big Enos because I'm saying they're doing the same thing. They're, they paired him off with a little guy. That's right. Now, when I first saw that guy, I was like, I know that guy. And I thought he was that guy from the James Bond movies with, remember, there's the big guy and the little guy, and they would go around making funny jokes. But anyway, I, research found out that he was Smokey and the Bandit. He was yeah. Big Enos. So now right, well, cool. rescued... Naven and they're off to the wedding. They're gonna do it. Oh, uh, my Applebee's delivery is coming in five minutes, Carl. Oh, okay. Uh, there's only uh, eleven minutes left in this film. Let's see if you can make it. All right. You want to pause? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, you can go. When is your delivery coming? You don't know. They got to ring the doorbell, right? Well, there should be a note saying it's coming, but uh, uh, according to my phone map, isn't this cool? It's on my street. Ah, gotcha. Not, not there yet. Well, for the yeah. continuity of the movie, we really can't stop. So I understand if you. Uh... Okay. We 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 prepared for this. We knew I ordered Sonic Drive-In to deliver to my house. You said Applebee's. Right, now look how freaked out Marie is. She does not want to marry this guy. Uh, the dress is a mess. That's that dress. Say yes to the dress. She did. Ah, uh, gonna get married. Now, uh, I thought it was funny that one of the editors was named Jack Gleason. Because of Jackie Gleason? Oh, Jackie Gleason. Yeah, because I know Jackie Gleason did not edit this movie. That's not the best producer's name. Remember uh, One Day at a Time from the 80s, the 80s version? Sure. There was a producer named Bud Weiser. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I just dogs. yeah, right. Well, he was really obnoxious. He would always walk in saying, "What's up, bud?" Oh, bud. the hilarity bud. that's ensuing. Listen, I'm with you. I'm done with this film too. I mean, it's just not a good job uh, at all, and uh, it's not believable. We end it? Dumbness. No, we should <laughs> not end it. We can't do that to our audience. So this this guy named oh, Steinberg uh, produced this and oh okay here's a not funny gag uh, the count is insisting that she she play here comes the bride super fast Ugh. oh right yeah they want to get get it over with get her down the aisle so what if I'm gonna, take, I'm gonna take my phone outside okay all right. As you know, I'm here at Mutiny Radio Studios. 
Right. Okay, I'm going to walk downstairs. Now, ugly Eddie has decided he's not going to be a bum. He's going to be a hobo. So he's helping by uh, uh, getting his father's van, the Trojan Bakery, and they'll they'll pretend that they're catering for the wedding. Ah, but they're actually hobos. They're actually bringing Navin to break up the wedding. With what, cards? Can we drop that idea with the cards? I'm sorry, you're breaking up a little bit. So now the father is walking Marie down the aisle, and he's like, cheer up, Marie. And I don't understand why Marie doesn't say, Daddy, they're holding Navin hostage, right? Yeah, I mean, would the father not want his family-in-law to be uh, holding people hostage so they can get married? Well, I mean, the father is all for this because it's going to, you know, she's going to marry into royalty. It's very good. It's very prestigious for him. Uh, but, yeah, I think right. you're right. If he knew that the guy was a crook. Yeah. If my father-in-law said, hey, you know what's funny about the wedding is that we had to abduct your girlfriend, your, your true love, so you would marry our, our daughter. Like, oh, yeah, that was hysterical. So now they have to get past the guard, convincing them that they're caterers for the wedding, and they're saying everything wrong, and the joke is the guard goes, okay. He goes, you're a couple of comedians, ah. and... You know, the guard just lets him in. Thank God. Well, you know what? The guard probably realized the movie was ending. Right. And so let's just speed this shit up. But the thing is, the butler comes and vouches for them. And that's what... Uh, here we have the joke of the wedding march is so fast. <laughs> Give me your daughter. Right, Bye-bye. You could uh, mute out if you want. Uh, okay, so now the butler comes and vouches for them, and he knows Navin's going to wreck up this wedding. So he's secretly on their side and takes Navin with him to lead him straight to Marie right away. Nice. Yeah, BRB. Now, a guy named Ziggy Steinberg uh, wrote this thing and produced it and when he was in college he wrote stand-up material for david steinberg uh who's not a relation george carlin carlin and debbie reynolds so he did a lot of stand-up writing uh his first television script was a mary tyler moore uh episode he went on to write for bob newhart uh and he wrote this he not only did he write this sequel, but he wrote a sequel called Porky's Revenge. Um, and he wrote and directed, he actually directed The Boss's Wife uh, for TriStar Pictures. Another thing interesting about this Ziggy Steinberg is he wrote and produced Another You, which was the last time Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor co-starred together in a motion picture. It was Pryor's final starring role so was that the one where like uh came from a good place. yeah if you remember um big enos 
like crashed his car into a chicken coop and got feathers all over him. And as a joke, we just saw an audience of this wedding with a bunch of feathers all stuck to him. It was pretty funny. So many memories. Did the photographer get it? What? Did the wedding photographer get it? Oh, the picture? Yeah. Now they're doing the do, do you take this one? And the joke is his name is so long and he goes, just call me Marco. Uh. So at the very last second, of course, Naven will show. Marie's about to say, I do. Here comes Naven on the horse. That's the same horse, right? That is the same exact horse. And, um, you know, a la the graduate, he's breaking up the wedding. And nobody's happy. The mother's fainting for the sixth time in this film. And watch <laughs> will trip, will uh, leap over mom. <laughs> Good leap. Oh, there's a wedding cake. Let's see what happens. If there's a wedding cake in a movie, someone will fall into it. That was like a bladed trip, too. I would fire that butler. Now we have more hilarity. Oh, it's a Trojan horse. They Trojan bakery. Pies. Oh, it is a comedy. A la Bugsy Malone. They're attacking with pies. Wow, another good movie we did. Oh, I should tell you, Carl, one of my favorite things, if you go to Twitter and you, you're reading Scott Bayo's Twitter feed, right? Uh, his body, he lists all, all his movie, uh, his famous roles, and the first one is Bugsy Malone. Yeah, because that's it. like Bugsy Malone. Yeah. Yeah. But he lists like chronological. He's like, I was first Bugsy, then I was Chachi, and then I was Charles. It was pretty funny. So... Oh, the butler said yeah, three. Right. And Naven is like, where's the steering wheel? And Butler thinks he's making a joke again. <laughs> the worst wedding. Ah, I could hawk that. Yeah, that's right. That and is the of it. Hawking jewelry. A kiss. See, now oh, they reference his special purpose, you know? It's just not the jerk in any way, yeah. shape, or form. Well, the jerk had no idea what sex was, right? He was all freaking right. out on that. But he got kissed. Produced by Ziggy Steinberg. Thanks, Zig. What a name. Thanks, Ziggy. Yeah, Ziggy and, Ro and Rocco wrote this. And here we have the great credits of a television show. Right. Cut scenes and let it roll. Not even well, cut stills from the film. Yeah. Well, this is the part where you go, I remember that scene of the dogs. Yeah. Next up, your local news, followed by Jay, uh, Johnny Carson. Stay tuned. Tonight, Johnny welcomes Ray Winstone. 
for a postmortem on the jerk two. Right. Carl, what do you think of the jerk jerk two? Horrible, horrible film. Awful, terrible. Yeah, you know what? That's the way I remembered it uh, forty years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I agree, thirty years ago, I guess. No, whatever, years ago. Well, yeah, there it is. That is a piece of pop culture curio, but uh, flogs, uh, just service, right? Yes. Just garbage. They made a sequel. Mm-hmm. And YouTube yeah. has it. So God bless you, YouTube. Uh, and that's The Jerk, too. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, the show and watching the movie with us. We will be back next week. Every Sunday is our show. Uh, next week, Carl, I don't think I have a trailer prepared, but we're going to watch in 1946's a Night in Casablanca with the three Marx Brothers. Wonderful. We're watching. We're going to riff a Marx Brothers movie. How fucking wrong is that? Yeah, that is. That doesn't even make just sense. let it play. <laughs> but it's, they're kind of older and slower in this movie, and they, they don't really have much to do. But it's cool. It's a curiosity. You know, people don't forget they made this movie. Yeah, everyone knows all their movies, even like the hotel one. But everyone keeps forgetting they made this one. Yeah. So we'll be checking out a night in Casablanca. Uh, Carl, where can people find you? Uh, they can go to carlsucks.com. That's all I've got to offer right now in this COVID nightmare. Yeah, everyone, be safe. And uh, check out uh, mutinyradio.fm where we broadcast. Uh, has been doing an underground live comedy show, which they perform outside in the street. And it airs live. So you can listen to it uh, on Fridays at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And that's that's all I got to really promote. I, I got some things going, but nothing really. Nothing really stand out. Same in my movie, The Thieves Code, available on Vimeo On Demand. And probably the best two minutes of a movie you'll ever see, my scene. And you've got an article online that's current. About me, Mike Spiegelman? Uh, you wrote it. You were the author of an article online. Oh, tell me about it, because I, I, I can't place it. <laughs> oh, darn. I'm not a good friend if I don't remember it. <laughs> no, I don't remember it. Well, you wrote, oh, whatever. So guys, you you can, wrote an article. You wrote an article. You promoted it twice before on I, the show. I know. And you know one of the reasons why I'm, I'm hedging my bets? It still hasn't been published yet. So uh, when it when it gets on this, I will mention the website. Oh, okay. until then, do not go to do not go to savagehenrymagazine.com, Humboldt County's finest movie magazine. From what I've been contributing to their pub, printed publication for years, there will be a virtual issue available. Uh, so keep check, keep refreshing it. Do what I do. Care keep refreshing that page. Savage Henry. Oh. Yeah, stay at Savage Henry Magazine. But they call it Savage Henry Independent Times, or S-H-I-T. <laughs> Good one. Good one. Well, uh, that's all I got. Ladies and gentlemen, that's been fantastic. Uh, go to Venmo, contribute money to at Muni Radio, keep the station going. Uh, subscribe to our station. Keep safe, keep sane. Uh, Carl, I'm looking forward to next week's movie with you. Yeah, yeah. it's one. To, we, I'm going to mark it down. Mark, I'm going to make my marks. I'm going to, okay, I'll think of jokes. Looking forward. Yeah, hey, you know what? We're just going to play the movie. I don't think we're going to do any jokes. Uh, all right, well, that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much. Thank you, audience. Thank you, Carl. We'll see you.
Let's watch a full length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. It's been and more exploit who you are as a person in order to um in order to relate to the masses which is crazy because like or to interest the masses and we're trying to interest the masses right now just to let you guys know we're starting a new podcast it's 10 o'clock uh hey we're here with bella dillman and looks like sam carroll's gonna go get a burrito or something but i'm pam benjamin we're hanging out we're doing weird podcasty stuff we're talking we're hanging out in the stew so yay! I just yay. wanted to. We just started a new one, so I was like, "All right, we gotta give a demarcation of time and stuff." So yay! No, all of the things that we're talking about are really important, and people have to engage in actual conversations to move society forward because things are a problem. I've um, I'm trying to feel more like a. I'm trying to use my wokeness on my Zoom calls with all my buddies in Jersey because they are fucking so racist. Do you know how racist people are on the East Coast? It's insane. I finally, this is the first time in my life that I've been like, wow, like as a woke Californian, I need to stop you in the middle of your story and talk about how you just said like four super racist things and we have to back up and start thinking about our language, bro. We can't. You, every person that, like, when they tell a story, talks about the color of somebody's skin, don't do it. Demarcate them in any other way. They're a millennial, they're young, they're poor, they're rich, they're whatever. But don't do it by the color of their skin, because one at a time, we can start rolling back this racist bullshit. I, and exactly, that's, yeah, that's uh, completely. Like, I, I understand that, too. Um all this, all this, like, this free speech radio is amazing, but I think it is, like, necessary to have a conversation, and sometimes, that's why we sometimes get into some, some... We've yelled at each other, and that's mm-hmm. fine. I think we've been yelling it's on dialogue. the same side. It's a dialogue. It's a dialogue. We, we, yeah, we were yelling on we the same side just now, yeah. Side. And I shouldn't yell, and I feel like, oh, it makes me... my. And I've been taught that, so, uh, in my first year of poetry school, 
This guy, Dan Langton, he might be dead now, but he was a beat poet. He was with all those guys. And I had a poetry class with him, and he was amazing. And he said, and this works for comedy too, he said, when you're doing a live reading and people aren't listening to you, your impetus is to go faster and be louder. And he said, no, go against that. Go slower and be softer. If you, if you cut it down if the exactly. audience isn't listening you want to go faster you want to tell them like no listen to me listen to me look at me look at me look at me and they're gonna go get a drink and they're gonna look at their phone and they're gonna do whatever the fuck they're doing but if you stop and go like silent and then whisper stuff they're right back with you and that was specifically with poetry but i move that into comedy in the same way it really it works it works you have to let something sit you do because i have i do also have the uh inclination to always speed through my jokes and not let them sit but i've gotten to a better Especially place where i feel lose, so when the audience when you mm-hmm. see them sort of go get a drink or start looking at their phone you're like no 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 wait 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 but look at me look at me up here like like i yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a thing that and I always They're not going to go like. with the I'm back. They're going to go if you start. Oh, hey. Hey. Like that's with parenting too. Hey parents. Hey parents, let's let's take a lesson from this. <laughs> Don't yell at your kids. Don't spank your kids. Because we fucking love those kids, right? And they're not going to listen if you're just yelling at them. I'm telling you, they're just going to want to rebel more. Uh, uh, this is a woman who took two education classes. Let's go. I know everything. I know everything. Well, I've, I have, uh, I've tried to call people out on the bus for bad parenting, and it doesn't always work the way I hope it does. Uh, there was- oh God! I tried to I tried to call my own mother and father out on bad parenting, and they were butthurt. Yeah, like yeah. I get it, I get it. Oh God, you're parenting me, and I'm the one that's like, oh God, you shouldn't do this. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like you are the one that, you, of course, you don't want. It. And I'm like, no, but uh, power uh, struggle with. I'm your telling on you, <laughs> I'm telling you, you shouldn't pinch your kids that hard. <laughs> like don't pinch them. Right. <laughs> leave them alone well they're chilling <laughs> here's the thing I, i've never shaken a baby but i've shivered a baby you know what oh i mean my God. You, like have a baby and you're like yeah why okay. are you not why are you crying it's i fed you i fed you and you have a clean diaper pam i'm not shaking a baby i'm it's shivering just, a baby it's, just it's a shiver like a little slight it's a gesture. shiver it's a, a gesture that you it's should be worried shiver no, I. Baby. You you look at them in the face and you go, "What do you need?" That's a, that's Don't. why I get postpartum depression so much is because like, I I was a daycare worker and I took care of the care I took care of the baby so good. So all good, of the all so of the good. all of the women there were like, "No, just let them cry." And I was like, "No, no. I'm going to be the fairy princess and I'm, I'm going to take care of these babies." babies. At the same time, I'm going to take care of six babies. And they're not going to cry. But there was this one baby who came in, like, in the middle of when I was working, when I was working overtime every day, like, 12 hours a day. 13th hour. Yeah, bitch. 13th hour. Like, opening and closing this fucking daycare. Mm. Doing both. And at that point, he came in, and he was eight months old, mm. and he he wasn't socialized to the 
daycare thing. He only knew his mom. He only wanted his mom. He's like, I need a tit right now. So, yeah, exactly. And I had to, he would cry every second of the day. And so I would hold him. I don't know. It does. I don't know if when they're sleeping, babies, Mm -hmm. babies that are, yeah, babies that are sleeping that are happy and then another baby cry. They wake up and they're like, I'm not happy. I just want to sleep. And what they're saying is, let me sleep. Let me sleep. That's all they're saying. And yeah. the baby's like, I need, I need you can't get me. It's awful. Yeah, and so at that point, that fucking baby. I was holding that baby and I was just like, I could crush a baby. <laughs> if I wanted to crush a baby, I could crush it. I didn't crush the baby, obviously. No, of course I'm here. Crush the baby. Of course I didn't crush oh, the baby. baby. But postpartum depression is Sweet real baby. because sometimes you're just like, holy fucking Sweet shit. Baby. This sucks. <laughs> oh goodness. I uh there was a I had a family that I nannied for and they their child was three months old and they wanted to go on a vacation and I had been with their baby and everything was fine and they were like, We're gonna be gone for forty eight hours. And wow, wow, it is, I am so glad I never birthed my own child and I'm so glad that I get paid to hang out with small children and it makes me crazy that moms aren't paid to hang out with small children because it is a real fucking job. It is actual hard labor and that it isn't respected makes me like cringe that we have arguments about how women aren't respected right now in our current current gestalt when everybody demonizes single moms. And that makes no sense because they are working so much harder. They're a single mom. That means they probably have a, two jobs and they're still taking care of their children. And then you're like, oh, we shouldn't give you money, you weirdo. Why are you take, taking money to fucking raise children, which is so hard. I don't know. And I'm just a nanny. I don't even have my own kids. I can't even imagine. I just try to love your kids as hard as you would love them. You love your own kids. I want to love your kid as much as you love your kid because you're paying me 20 bucks an hour. Of course, I'm going to love your kid real hard. You're paying me to do it. I'm super down, bro. I will love your child. I love kids. I love cats. I love birds and Dogs are okay or whatever. Dogs are great. You just have to... The pooping. Oh, so much pooping. Babies are great, but so much pooping, right? Like, wow. And here's the thing. Why can you throw baby poop away in, like, the regular garbage? But in the tenderloin, when people shit into a clamshell, everybody gets all up in arms like, oh, they're shitting in the... Why are they throwing poop away in the... Are we not, why is baby poop okay to throw away, but human, are babies not humans? I don't know. No, yeah, I, I, I get that. Um, there's, there's like this whole like bio, like when I was working at a daycare too, there was one kid who was, who only had cloth diapers. Oh God. And we had to just scrape that shit out, yeah, dude. Yeah, like, toilet. Yeah, yeah. What do you do? You flush it down and then you stick it in a plastic you bag. You can't you expect that if you're at a daycare. If your kid's at a daycare, you cannot expect those women. It's an organic who are, daycare. Okay, who are mostly 
like Pakistani and Indian women who have not gotten like opportunities to do anything. Like w- one of my coworkers was a fucking engineer. Yeah, of course. Was a fucking engineer in Pakistan. And she, she was like, when I quit, she was like, how much do you get paid? And I was like, nine fifty. And then she was like, I get paid $7 an hour. And I was like, I'm so much under, I'm so much more underqualified than you. Yeah. How the fuck are they paying you this, dog? Like, how the fuck are you paying? Well, that's, so that's the thing is that when the cheaper the labor, the more profit exists. And that's how America was built. Here's the thing I say all the time. Everyone's like, oh, how much do you love Abraham Lincoln? Oh, Abraham Lincoln, he freed the slaves and did all this stuff. Abraham Lincoln didn't free the slaves because he was a fucking humanitarian. He freed them because the people in the North were pissed at the people in the South. So, like, we can't make as much money because they have free labor. Yeah. They have free labor. They have slavery, and they don't have to pay their workers. And we're up here trying to make a product, and we have to pay our people actual money, even if they're indentured servants. And we've been trying to subjugate them for a long time, but they have fucking rights or whatever, and they just won't let because we wrote this thing about the Constitution. We're like, oh, people have rights, and like, oh no, we got to respect their rights, and we don't, and they don't have to respect these people's rights as rights, and they get free labor. Fuck them, and that's. Why Abraham Lincoln fucking freed the slaves. It was to placate all of the industry people in the North because yeah. they had to pay for I their mean, labor. I mean, it's kind of impossible. It, it is kind of impossible to believe that. Um, well, I mean, I guess there were abolitionists of the age and stuff like that. And like, they I were just humanitarians. Don't, uh, yeah. They were saying these people are people. But what I'm saying is that the politician of Abraham Lincoln did not free the slaves because he was a humanitarian, not because he was Frederick Douglass, not because he was fucking Harriet Tubman, not mm-hmm. for any of those reasons, but because he had to placate the capitalist movement in the North. Yeah, but it and just kind of like spurs a, con- it spurs a conversation. Like, I know that politicians, like, are it's very easy to see, to feel like they're doing everything to further their career in politics. But if there were people in the North who, um, who didn't want slaves who were in that same boat, like, couldn't it, it, it could also be possible that he, uh, Abraham Lincoln, like, yes, that is an ulterior motive. And that's like something that is kind of believable, but also it's not unbelievable that, uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, felt things for these for these people who were being oppressed and kind of was like just more of a progressive soul and had this empathy about him and stuff I like that. I hope so. Yeah, like that's definitely a hope, but also and it is believable like what you're saying is just like oh if it like if if you do really believe that all politicians are completely figureheads yeah. that are total puppets that are just mm-hmm. boarding the keeping the wealth in the at hands of a that few. point in time though i don't really think that very many people had the op- like especially now like now no one votes like how many people were really voting well you couldn't that point? vote women couldn't vote i know women couldn't vote and, and, and like and how many black people, were, people were exactly it's of a vote like so what? who were the people who are really voting like were you really puppets of this this mass people like but also people who are incarcerated can't vote Exactly. And, and that's uh, racist and systematic. Who gets mm-hmm. to vote? So you have to have money to vote. Do you have to be a landholder to vote? Originally, you had to be a landholder. 
And what if you aren't? What if you're a woman and you're not allowed to hold land? What if you're a witch? And what if your dad gave you land and you didn't get married because of whatever reason and then they crucify you as a I witch? Mean, yeah, because they, they want to mm-hmm. steal your land. That's what they were doing in the 15s and 1600s in fucking in England. They All the women that had any volition of their own without a man, they were a witch. And what did you do? They couldn't have anything. And then they just kill them. And you take whatever they had. And wow. I don't know. It's like, Mm -hmm. are we going to move into the future and see people as people? When is a person a person? When is someone who lives in Malaysia good enough that they don't make 10 cents on the dollar? When does it mean that, oh, you're making, like, so, for example, old Navy jeans, like, where are they made? Malaysia and Kuala Lumpur and all these places. And people are paid nothing. And they have real skills. When you sew pants, sewing is a real skill. So we're just not paying those people because they live in another country. What, because they're not good enough? Like, because only Americans get to have this lifestyle or only Chinese people? Or who do we decide that gets to have a roof over their head and and not have to poop into a ditch? Like, when Mm -hmm. do we decide that we can facilitate everyone's needs? Yeah. That that's really hard. Um, it's I just peed like, on this I, last night. Yeah. <laughs> I oh get yeah, it. definitely. Like oh, <laughs> like you got to sometimes. I I've been peeing in public a lot more lately, uh, because I'm tired of waiting. Well, COVID yeah. has closed all the bathrooms. You go to a fucking uh, gas station and you can't use the restroom. Like, no one lets you use the potty because, oh, the COVID and the stuff. And so we just keep getting yeah. more and more distanced. And who gets to use a toilet? Who's good enough? It's just like, it Who's is really scary is to me. Enough? I just, like, honestly, ideally, if I wasn't bored as shit and fucking tired as fuck of being inside, I just would ideally want to be, like, ideally, okay. I ideally would want to be a cast member on Love Island. I don't know what this is. Love Island, they are in a quarantine bubble in Las Vegas. Oh, goodness. Drinking cocktails mm. and fucking bitches, mm. dude. And like being filmed for reality TV and having drama. Like, that is fine with me. I wouldn't get sick. No one would be going out. Like, that's my ideal. Like, I want to have Big fun. Brother. You want to be on Big Brother. I want to be on Big Brother. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I want. That's yeah. They Big Brother. Quarantine before quarantine. They were like, oh, no, you're quarantined. It was like, I can't handle it. There are so many yeah, videos yeah, yeah. of people having to tell the people on Big Brother that they were in quarantine. Like, they were like, well, um, uh, I understand that you guys have been here for two weeks and don't know anything about the news, but the news is that everyone's dying and everything's locked down. And you know how you thought you were going to be here for three weeks? I think you might be here for 10 months. <gasps> you know, like that kind of. What's in the refrigerator? That's yeah. the thing is like a big brother. I want to get into that refrigerator. I would never get kicked off any of those shows because I love cooking so much. Oh, yeah. And nobody, they'd be ne- like, no one would, oh, mm-hmm. we can't get rid of Pam. Mm-hmm. She's cooking all the good meals. She's working with the sap. How'd she find the saffron? What even is that? She smuggled it in? How did that happen? Yeah. I'm in. Are you, is everything going to be okay? Are you checking it out? I keep, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just, all every once lives. in a while. I know. Somebody uh, film us here. 
eight four HD. It's gonna be like Muni Radio uh, reality uh, TV show. Yeah, we are currently in the midst of just the most flavor flav shit I've ever. Like it's like who wrote this? Who I don't want this. It? Who wrote it? Oh, I'm who in. Who wrote this? Who wrote it? Because <laughs> it's like, honestly, I know I'm the queen of the universe, as I said before, but like, I didn't write this story. I don't want this. No, you're 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 a feminist queen. I love you. I I, yeah. I think you're so funny and original and wonderful, and I'm so glad that you're here and hanging out at Mutiny Radio. Bella but Dillon, men everyone. suck. Well, they do sometimes. I honestly think that they're just babies. And They're big they, old babies, and honestly, that's why I was like, that's why I was not really into at first dating someone who was younger than me, because I was like, I already hate men who are older than me. <laughs> like they already act like fucking children. Like, True. what am I gonna do with a man who's younger than me? Yeah. yeah. Well, it is impossible to curb anyone's behavior, but. Sometimes you have to put your foot down, and even oh, if you don't understand at the time, it's just that for for my own safety tonight, I had to put the kibosh on some behavior. He's done because, it to me, but he's done thing. it to me if too. If you applaud negative behavior, then they think it's okay. Yeah, I used to teach small children, and if you give them positive reinforcement for a negative behavior, they think the negative behavior because it yields attention not all, uh, negative he attention, is positive. just a you little can't. boy lashing out right now and i'm so mad about it because it's like uh, it's a lot of men too like my cousin's husband who's just sitting there lashing out because someone got mad at him for not wearing a mask one time like the reason why he's being like this is because he was like oh well i wasn't wrong for not wearing a mask that one time and now you guys are mad at me like i was never wrong you know, like, that's how it is with men sometimes. Like, and I am i don't know if it's men, like, maybe sometimes it's women. I honestly haven't interacted as much with women, especially romantically. I think that women are not taught that their ego is as important as men are taught. That their needs, and I think ego is derived out of needs. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times men's needs are more aptly met. No, but also I feel bad for men. I do. I'm sorry. I feel bad for myself, obviously, all the time. I feel bad for women all the time. But I feel bad for men because, like, how, like, what would it be like to grow up with this entitlement that, like, it, every little thing sets me off? Like, I would fucking hate that because I'm a kind person. And whenever I get angry, like, right now when I'm angry, I'm like, I fucking hate that. I hate that. I don't like, like to feel angry. Well, sometimes I do. If I'm in a if I'm in a rant and I'm yelling at someone, feeling angry can feel good, as long as you're comfortable enough with the person that you know that at the end of it they're going to be okay. Like if you're going to yell at someone, it has to be a person that you're comfortable enough with that you, they're not exactly. going to hate you at the end of it. And this is the first person that I truly have felt com like because people have done shit shit to me all the time, but this is the first person that I felt comfortable with being like, I'm calling you out right this fucking second. You're being an idiot. And then he's like, Why don't we need to bring up? And I'm like, You're being an idiot, dude. Like that's you being an idiot. Like right. Gotta that call it. that's completely unfounded. We just had like. 
four weeks of us being in complete bliss and even two days ago talking about how much we were honeymooning still he's just like it is infuriating that change you know like it's it's annoying you know because I feel so secure that when this happens I know it's just like him being a fucking dickhead and I'm like it's not him being it's any, alcohol, honestly. Yeah, and I fucking it, that's all hate it, is. it sometimes, it's though. All, it's all it is. And uh, my last relationship for seven years with, with a wonderful gentleman, and I, and I do still love him dearly. But even after we broke up, he said, it's so funny because I realized now that 75% of our relationship was based on alcohol. And that is absolutely true, that for seven years, our relationship was so blissful because all we did was drink together. Oh no, and like I I've been sober for a long well I mean like on and off sober for a long time and it's not about us drinking together because he's been sober too. And it's like he's the one person he is the one man who is like one of the only men who has turned me down while I was drunk. Huh. You know, like uh, you know cuz I I know he respects that sort of like I know he puts on like a big front and he's going through a lot right now, but like he's fucking like, he's a good person, and that's the thing that I see, that it's so annoying when I see him doing these things, and I don't know when it's going to prove it. Like, I don't, he's not going to prove himself that he's a bad person because I know how good he is. Yeah. You know? Like, he's he's an amazing fucking person, and it just annoys me when he does stuff like this because it's, an, it's not him. Yeah. And maybe I put him on a pedestal, but it's not him. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's the alcohol. I'm telling yeah. you. It's, uh, it, and I, I've browned out black. I mean, when I'm in a blackout, nobody knows it because I'm still lucid. So I make choices and I'm still myself. I just don't remember it later, but I can get, and because I don't remember it later, it sort of gives me this blanket to not be afraid of my behavior. And that's Mm -hmm. something that I'm working on in that. I have to eat enough so that I don't black out. And like, why do I feel the need to not have any responsibility for what I'm doing with my behavior? Exactly. Like I have so many times had to go back and take responsibility for what I've done during a blackout because I am like, I have done multiple things, not only to get arrested, but to like, like my friends, like I, I was so (laughs) many positive, like I was so, I was so positive so many times that my friends were never going to speak to me again because I like would black out and f- fucking fist fight them. Sure. No, you know, I've like bad fights. I, I hear you. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you have to own up for that shit, but it's so hard to get to the point where you will, because you're always like, I was drinking. I can be different when I'm not drinking. I'm a, I'm a whole different person whole different when I'm person. drinking. Well, but that's- And it's like, yeah, but then but reel it back baby but don't black out if you don't remember your own behavior what do you have to be responsible for exactly now, that's my own like of course and it's it's so much easier when you wake up when you come out of a blackout and you're like where am i i'm gonna figure this out i'm gonna get home who knows what happens whatever like it's much i'm so lucky i've never had an std honestly yeah i've woken up in people's houses with 
and I'll even admit this on radio, with wet jeans. You ever been on the 14 bus going back? Oh, you to your pissed house? your pants I first? I pissed my pants. I know. I've I been there too. Wet fucking pants on the, and I'm on the bus and I'm like, can everybody smell me? Everybody smells piss. Everybody can see that my pants are wet. Does it look like my pants are dry? What does it look like? I don't know what's going on. Oh, shit. Like, and I'm still a little drunk, so I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, I pissed my pants. I'm good. Hope. But to like, be wow like it's yeah and but then because i was so wasted i don't remember what happened so i don't have to take responsibility for all of that because i don't remember it anyway exactly but that's what i'm trying to change i mean i'm fucking over 40 now jesus christ it's time to change that shit right and i i definitely eat more and i haven't and peed my pants in a long time. Oh, congratulations. But here's the thing, people who might date me in the future. If I decide to pass out, not in my bed, with my jeans in, on on the carpet, that's because my jeans are a sponge. Please, please don't take my pants off. Please, please, boy who's staying with me, nice man, whoever you are, leave me on the carpet. Do not take my pants off. They're a sponge. Oh, yeah. Be on the team. Absolutely. Be on the team. Absolutely. Be on the team. Don't, like, (laughs) my mom, I, okay, so one of the most embarrassing things that's ever happened to me is. Okay. Okay. One of the most embarrassing things that ever happened to me is when I went to my cousin's wedding and I was completely fucked up. It was like. It was a weekend where there were three parties and a party suite. So the first night I hooked up with one of his friends and um, ran away from security trying to get into uh, trying to not get in trouble because I was underage. And then there was the next day where I was just blackout and hooked up with another one of his friends. And then the third day, it was the wedding, the wedding. And I went home with my mom who was sleeping in the other bed and I pissed this hotel bed so bad so bad and my mom tried to undress me and it was just so much worse it was just everywhere that's not what we want it's absolutely not what we want it was like that was probably the time that my mom was like okay Time to time to change. It's like reel it back, daughter of mine. Yes, please. I love you so much. But if you could not pee in, I threw up once. Uh, I was on a family cruise, uh, going to Alaska. My parents. I was I was nineteen at the time. They put my brother and I in a room deep, deep in the caverns. They were up with one of the things. They had a balcony, and uh, I I drank so much. I threw up in my bed. And then I tried to take all of my sheets into the shower to sort of wash them off. And I was in a room with my brother and I had to wake up the next morning and I had to go kayaking with my dad. No. And I was so hungover and I kayaked and we were like hitting salmon. And I was like, this is so beautiful. And this would be great if I didn't want to die right now. It wasn't um, the end it of was, me. I, I was, I remember being a kid. Uh, I remember my parents used to buy me things. That was great. <laughs> that was awesome. That was, I remember those days. <sighs> my parents don't. 
They don't. Uh, they don't respect my lifestyle very much. No, really. Nope, not at all. They are not into free speech and what I'm doing. Uh, they're um, Christians. They mm-hmm. uh, love God very much. Oh yeah. And that's great. That's I. If they're afraid of death. That's cool. I'm down. Like it's fine. I I I'm down with existential dread. They want to believe in twelve mansions in heaven. Good stuff. Like hell yeah. Yeah. No. Hey, I respect it. Like. If if I could have a, va- I feel like I took, I feel like I was in the matrix and I took the fucking red pill or whatever. And I was like, oh, now I see the truth and everything sucks and we're all going to die. And uh, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the reality of life. That's, well, that's what's so crazy because it's like when you're trying so hard to get something and you feel like that's the only way that your life will be fulfilled, mm. then that be, creates like a completely different environment for you to have fun. Like, I feel like I have so many things that could make my life happy and it's like, you can't, you can't just bet on one, obviously. Like, I'm not going to do anything to, uh, get rid of those opportunities, but I'm going to work my hardest on every single opportunity that could possibly make me happy. And maybe that'll make me a jack of all trades, but master of none, but maybe I'll be happy. There's a old song from the forties and it's a standard and it goes, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. Yeah. I'm betting everything I have on you. Uh, and it's, and it's not, don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's don't do how it. I feel sometimes don't, though. You can't. Well, and God, for a long time in my life, I didn't, I, I separated my eggs and, and now I've got all my eggs in the mutiny basket and it's very scary because then it's like, oh my God, what if I lose the basket? But then it's like, wow, what freedom if the basket disappears? Like, wow, what would, what would happen to my life? If I didn't have this albatross around my neck, like what could yeah, I do? Where exactly? Could I, go? I could go and anywhere. some. Yeah, I sometimes could do it. Anything. Seems like the better option. Maybe. Sometimes it seems like the better option to take that albatross off your neck. But also, if it's the thing that you love and it's the thing that you are really doing, and it's like you've worked so hard for it then why give it up? That's my thing is it's like, it's so hard for me to give things up. I know. I know. Because of that, because I'm like, I have put so much into this. But maybe attachments, I mean, the Buddhists say that attachments are the root of all suffering. So if you remove all the attachments, then you can finally be free. And but so, that's so crazy to me because attachments, family, know? like I, like I, I see know. attachments more with like attachment with people Yeah. and it's like family, friends, what do you do when those go away? Because I don't think I would be happy because when I haven't had those personal, um, ties, yeah, tethers, to tethers the world. Yeah. to the world. Yeah. It's been so different for me. And I like, honestly, like me thinking that I'm a fucking God who's controlling the world is so much less healthy than me having a fucking boyfriend and being like in my family and helping them out like i would rather not be famous because i would think that i was like fucking the controller of the universe my brain would be insane i don't think i can handle it i think the answer is to smoke more pot (laughs) 
I think that that's. I think the answer to smoke less pot, dude. Ah. Honestly, like I smoked pot from Sam, and now I'm like, hello, I am the (laughs) fucking, I am the number. I am a god. I am a king. I am a king. I am a god. (laughs) Everything's gonna work out. I can control this person. It doesn't matter my expectations because no matter how high they are, they will reach them because I control everything. Well, which is a lie and a fucking disappointment when I don't control everything. The only thing we can control is our own selves and our reactions to the things around us. Exactly. But I've gotten to a point that I'm like, people think it's fucking weird. Like, people think I'm being, like, fucking victimized. Not by, like, by everybody. Like, by my mom, by my family. Everyone thinks I'm being victimized. But I'm like, honestly, I don't give a fuck, dude. Like, just, like, like, I don't. Like, that's the thing. Like, yes, they have high expectations of me, but... I'm there. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, why do you think this is a bad thing? Like, it's fine. Like, I'm fine. And it's not me being, like, disingenuous or not following my dreams. It's like, I'm glad that I get to help my family out. I'm glad that I get to help people out. That's my fucking calling. That's my calling is helping people. Why aren't you a nun? No. Put on the habit, baby. Fuck so much. I fuck too much, dude. I do. And it's like also like I like I like God. Like I do and I love God. That's cool. No, I'm down with God. But also it's like it's like sometimes I'm like, bro, like no matter what I do in this life, you gotta like have me because I'm because I have gone through so much, dog. Like I'm trying my best. Like yeah. there's no like because I believe in you, like dog. Just like chill with me, bro. Like please, like <laughs> yeah. No, hey, uh, look to the birds of the sky. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father takes care of them. Yeah, uh, I'm down with that bird shit. I'm uh, I mean, yes, exactly. I don't think that a higher being like that would punish you for being human. Well, and, you know, humans are born sinners, baby. This is a fucking preacher podcast on humans are born sinners, dog. And I'm a sinner. And everyone around me is a sinner. And so I let everyone treat me however they want to. (laughs) So take the plank out of your own eye before removing the speck from your brother's eye. Another fucking... Hell yeah. You know more about the Bible than me. You know more about the Bible than me because I have never heard about it. uh, (laughs) I I was uh, traditionally raised in the Bible. I went to Christian school for like... Years and years of my life. and then Oh, that's I, cool. I'm just casual Bible. Yeah. I studied Judaism for many, many years as well. So I'm versed in that's all of the Judeo-Christian fuck. things. I don't know a lot about Muslim shit. I know a little bit about the Mormons. I know just enough to be dangerous about the Mormons. But uh, Honestly, yeah. I hate these boys, but I love these boys because they always know how to like bring it to like something super not serious oh, you know yeah where'd sam go speaking of i know not sam being like speaking of, yeah, speaking of like me and you together i feel we bounce off each other and we're like let's get into the no, like, we're like, like, and of, like fucking the talking about shit. yeah like fuck like let's go let's go into the entire thing like what is life about what is life about and when two men get together too i feel like that's how they're like too they're like that's why joe rogan like how big is your dick man (laughs) that's why joe rogan is always like yeah i did dmt and you know what i saw have you done dmt no i'm I'm talking about uh, joe rogan i i don't know i I get it i know he talks about dmt too like my brain fry zone like i last time i did acid 
it was probably like it changed my life in a way that made me scared of literally making any mistakes like i was like i have to stop drinking or i'm a fucking idiot i have to stop fucking doing this or i'm a fucking idiot i have to call my mom i have to be a better daughter and it made me anxious about everything so now i can't let anyone down because but like also like whatever fuck it who cares but um that acid trip just made me feel so anxious about my life and i think it it, like honestly like my dad like and schizophrenia is like fucking triggered by drugs and shit like that i hear that acid definitely triggers schizophrenia yeah so (laughs) i fucked my life up who else did that for themselves who else gave themselves a mental illness that a lot of people have to go to the mental hospital for forever so i've done over i'm gonna say in my lifetime that i've done over 600 hits of acid so uh that's a lot of acid and they say that that after seven hits you're legally insane, and I, and I'll I'll deal with that, and that's fine. I didn't even get there, dude. It's because my whole family is like fucking crackhead crazy. Like that's why it took me only a few to be like I'm I'm legally insane. <laughs> but I I mean I definitely talk to myself all the time, and I hear voices in my head, and I've had invisible friends since I was young. There's no question about that. I remember having invisible friends since the time I was allowed to do that. Um, And I've always had a very, very rich fantasy life um, (laughs) throughout my entire life. I mean, it's not that that's a problem with me. It's like I like the things that I see are like I'm not crying. I'm literally just I smoked weed. Um, I like the things that I see are like disembodied human people and like people being like like i would be half asleep and there would someone be yelling like you don't like anybody like you know you don't love these people what the fuck are you doing here like stuff like that just yelling at me like insanity vortex that i'm surprised that i haven't had a nervous breakdown yet you know like um just it takes a different type of person to cope. Like, everything I see is a threat to me. Huh. And so it's like, I have been trying... I have learned a lot of things to be able to cope with stuff like that. But I don't know what I did to myself, but I I did a lot of drugs during high... Like, I was always kind of neurotic, but I did a lot of drugs during high school. I was never aware, so I can't even, like, know if it's something that happened naturally or if it's something that I triggered. triggered. Yeah, sure. You know why Californians can't have guns? Why? Because they're always triggered. <laughs> That's funny. Constantly, I like that. Yeah, constantly triggered. No, hey, I I get it. I'm lucky that I didn't. I didn't do. I smoked pot for the first time when I was like 17. I had done. I didn't do any things. I didn't even drink. In I high started school. drinking when I was 12 years old. I started smoking weed when I was 13. I started doing coke when I was 16. Wow. Yeah. I started, um, what else? Did I, or I started doing Xanax when I was 16. I started doing opioids when I was 16. Yeah. I started. I didn't ever like opioids. Opioids made me nauseous all the time, but yeah. I thought they were amazing for some reason. I started taking Xanax every day when I was 16. Well, Xanax is in the Tupam family. It's a benzodiazepine. It's actually. Yeah. 
It's actually, uh, yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, I know. I no, no. It, I, I do love mm. benzos, but they made me forget. And they, like, honestly, like, I was so fucked up during all of high school and I don't remember any of it that I don't want to take Xanax ever again. Like, I like I have gotten Xanax for free from people and just stowed it away and given it to other people because I... It's great I, for it, planes. It's great for plane flights. Yeah, you're but afraid of flying. Uh, yeah, I mean it is for it is for anxiety, but when you use it for your everyday life, like no, I no, can't, no, no, I can't work. control. Yeah, well, and they used to give um, when you use it Valium for your life, in fuck, the seventies, exactly for postpartum depression. I did Valium for the first, or like it was because I was prescribed. I was prescribed Valium. Little helpers. Mom's I was prescribed Valium when I was in the third grade. Wow, wow, you had serious anxiety. No, I I had a neck injury. Why would they give you Valium? That makes no sense. It's a benzodiazepine. They just wanted me to relax. Wow. No, they didn't give me Valium. They gave me Vicodin. Oh, okay. Well, no, that's They gave me Vicodin. Which doesn't necessarily help because opioids just mask the pain and then you can hurt yourself more. If you, They should have given you a muscle relaxant. They should have given you some yeah. Soma. Like no, soma yeah. Soma, good. but Soma I also abused. Ah, Soma's a lot of fun. I abused Soma in the late 90s. I would take a Soma. And I was in high school. Beers. 